Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for our match preview. Newcastle welcomes Southampton to St. James Park on Saturday and they're in desperate need of a win. Having lost their first two games of the Premier League season and unfortunately now out of the League Cup after drawing 0-0 with Burnley but losing 4-3 on penalties. I'm joined as usual by John Gibson and unfortunately John that's where we've got to start with that defeat to Burnley. Although Steve Bruce is adamant that Newcastle didn't lose it on the night. Um, that, that, that comment hasn't gone down too well with fans. We'll get on to what Bruce had to say in a moment. I mean, I was there last night sitting in the Gallagher and the last game I was at before that was nil-nil against Burnley in the Premier League before <laughs> lockdown hit the first lockdown. And I was hoping for a bit of a better game. It was, in truth, a bit of a better game. Nine changes made. Only Freddie Woodman and LaSalle survived. Now, I don't know about you, John, but I was hoping he would maybe start with Callum Wilson, start with St. Maxwell and go out and, and win the game within an hour. And to be fair, uh, Newcastle had the chances to do so. Hendrick should have scored. Dwight Gale should have scored. There was a few really good saves made by Wayne Hennessy. And then, I mean, for those who were there, and I don't know, I, I'd be interested in what people think, but the Steve Bruce made a change and he brought Alan St. Maxwell on and the, the reception, John, was just absolutely fantastic when Willick and St. Maximum came to the touchline. But Dwight Gale came off, and all of a sudden, Newcastle lost all threats. And the reason I mention this is because suddenly Joe Linton was the main man, or supposedly, anyway. And it, there just seemed to be no threat in the box, seemed to be no target man. By the end of the 90 minutes, John, we had St. Maximum and Joe Linton effectively wrestling to be on the left-hand side, and Newcastle just lost all threat. It was, it was bizarre. Bottom line, uh, Newcastle nil, Burnley nil. How predictable was that? And then we'll cave in on penalties. How predictable was that? Um, To me, it was almost written in the stars. It was always going to be a doer game because it's Burnley and because Newcastle aren't capable of taking them to the cleaners. Um, I mean, it's just depressing. I am sick to death of hearing that Newcastle ought to have won, or they were the better team, or they played quite well. Bottom line, I when I owned Gateshead, and I talked to my manager at the end of the game, I used to, and he used to always do the pots half full, because managers have got to do that, otherwise they might get the tin tack. He used to, I used to say, excuse me, could you just tell me the score? You know, we ought to have won, but we didn't. And for me, missing chances, which is what Newcastle did against Burnley, is as poor play as playing badly and and not creating chances or letting them in at the back. Strikers who miss goals regularly is bad play. It's not unlucky. It's bad play. It's rank bad play. And Newcastle have now played three games this season... They've played against Aston Villa, who are 
so they played West Ham first. West Ham, who are a good side, but not a great side. They played Aston Villa, who are an average side, not a good side. And they played Burnley, who are as bad as us. And they didn't get a single result, never mind a win, never even got a draw, out of those three games. We've got another game like that against strugglers, against Southampton. And if we don't win that, where are we? Well, we, I'll tell you where we are. We've got a fortnight's rest of liquid wounds and then we're at Manchester United. Now, when the big games come, if we've blown all these games, where are the points going to come? Where are the wins going to come? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the question. And yesterday was a great chance to build momentum. I know that's one of your favourite words when it comes to football. You always say it's, it's key. And, yep. you know, a win, I, just, I said a, a defeat was unthinkable. And it, to me, it was because now you look ahead to Southampton and they already needed a win, but they need a win even more because if they lose Southampton, it's like you say, them two weeks, yeah, you can lick your wounds, but they're just going to be rattling around the house thinking about or how oh, I've lost the three opening but games. I, mean, I am sick of banging on in my pr- match previews in the Chronicle over this start to the season, saying that this is the time where you put money in the bank. These matches, like we've just gone through, finishing with Southampton, is where you put wins in the bank. So that when the difficult ones come along, you can afford to drop points uh, at Manchester United, for example, because you've got something to, to drop back on. If you don't get something in these games, where on earth do you go? Now, I know a manager's job is to make any defeat or whatever sound plausible. Oh, there were very many positives, etc., etc. But Steve Bruce does not do himself any favours on the things that he comes out with at the end of the games. He said, for example, last night, we didn't do much wrong, except put the ball in the net and get through in the cup. But I guess he would argue, and his supporters would argue, he he has a few that he can't really do anything. He sends the team out and it's up to the players. No, it's not. I won't, I won't accept all that rubbish. A manager gets paid because he works with his coaching staff Monday to Friday, or if it's a midweek game, you know what I'm talking about, to right the wrongs. He keeps telling us and he makes the substitutions and decides when those substitutions are going to happen. He makes the tactics. He cannot kick the ball. That is another excuse that is trotted out by people that aren't being successful. And they say, well, but I couldn't do anything once on the but, field. But playing devil's advocate, you can't you can't calculate for a great save from Wayne Hennessy. You can't calculate for Dwight Gale hitting the ball a few inches Yes, you can, because in those games, those sort of things are going to happen. Goalkeepers are supposed to make great saves. That's why they're in goal. They're there to make great saves. Centre-forwards, however clever in getting the ball over the keeper, aren't supposed to hit the bar. It's easier to hit the net. Do you know that that space beneath the bar is a lot larger than the width of the bar? You're not supposed to do those things. You cannot have a manager and I'm generalising here, not just talking about Newcastle United, you can't have a manager who's willing to take all the credit when they're top of the league and they're winning every week, but when they lose, it's not his fault. It's either Lady Luck or, or, or it, it's um, the, the 
it's all in the hands of the players. It's nothing to do with me for the hour and a half on the pitch, etc., etc. You cannot have that, and nothing will annoy fans more than have the manager appearing as though he's not facing up to the truth. You know, and also to say we didn't lose. Now, we all know what he was talking about. He meant in, after 90 minutes it was no naught. But yes, we did lose. Because if you look at the draw for the next round of the cup, we don't feature any. We have Vaz beaten us in two games, and and now uh, Lady Luck's beaten us. I mean, how often, how long is this going to go on? I mean, we've got to get this stamped out. And by the way, Burnley were our poor side. They're as poor as us to finish beneath us last season. They've started with no wins this season. They made six changes. They've got less in depth than we have. They had a couple of kids on the bench last night in seven, not in nine. Um, and yes, they didn't produce any threat. But I mean, the bottom line, we could not beat them. And that is frightening because you then wonder where... And we were told there was all these senior players chomping at the bit to get out last night and show their worth. Now, I will say there were some decent enough performances who I think there'll be a few players who maybe will be within a shout of coming into the team against Southampton on Saturday. I never thought I'd say this. I thought Jeff Henrik actually had quite a decent game. Um, Sean Longstaff had an average first half, but I thought he grew into it in the second, second half. Jamal Lewis, I thought, had a really good game, as did Manquillo. The thing with Lewis was, and I don't know, I'm I'm thinking maybe he got a, a bit of a... Not a not bollocking at half-time, but maybe have a, an arm of encouragement around his shoulder because there was times in the first half when he was he had the opportunity to go forward and he turned back on himself and just passed it back or passed it sideways. But in the second half, it's like a switch. He just kept going forward and he was beating players and it was really refreshing. But I also thought they had that defensive um, balance, which the lacked with Murphy and Richie. So it'll be interesting to see yeah, if those four players see. do... What he does with wing backs, but let's get things right. If you set the bar at the level Hendrick sets the bar at, he's bound to have one of his best games because it's not asking too much to get above the bar that he's already set. And Lewis, is, who hasn't started for about six months or something, is a fourteen million pound signing as him, who's playing in his orthodox position, which Murphy and Richie have not been doing there, out and out wingers. Um, so we should and against. Burnley, and it was probably the vast majority of it was Burnley reserves, as it was our reserves as well, outside of, of, of Wood up front. Uh, you, you would expect that. In, in Burnley, I, how much were our back four solid and how much were Burnley's front two just starved of any sort of service? They didn't have to swat away many flies hmm. during, during this yeah, game. Yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> One of the best moments <laughs> in the first half, John, was the uh, the Gallagher East corner thrown around what I can only assume was a hat, maybe a scarf, to cheers every time it went up in the air. And this went on for about 15, 20 minutes. So that says a lot about the standard of performance from both sides, I think, in the first half. Oh, I mean, really, we, we sometimes... In our despairs, Geordies, we do one of two things. We either slaughter... When the team's doing very badly and we... They, do that regularly enough. We either slaughter them or we look desperately for the pluses and bull them up way beyond reality. 
reality is somewhere in the middle and re reality at this moment let nobody steve bruce fans any of the players coaching staff or anyone else try to tell us differently reality at the moment is dire there's absolutely no question about that do you think steve bruce played a strong enough side that should have beaten burnley they should be in the next round of this efl cup well, of course, they, they should beat Burnley, especially the side Burnley put out. Um, and yes, you can argue that, um, with hindsight, that the nine changes was far too much if you're taking this cup seriously. And that is one of the problems. He keeps telling us he's taking the cup seriously, then he makes nine changes, um, which indicates that you're not taking it too seriously. Um, but I think Newcastle's form, that wasn't... A one-off game where the reserves, the senior players that come into the side, let the side down. This was just a trend, which is the trend of Newcastle United at the moment. They lose. Now, last season, the League Cup offered a bit of a shield, a bit of protection to Steve Bruce in many ways. We know how dreadful large parts of last season were, but by getting to the quarterfinals, and yes, they lost off Brentford in an embarrassing fashion, but it, it did give Steve Bruce a little bit of protection. The FA Cup the season before did as well, but he's lost the first kind of shield there, and, you know, a defeat on Saturday. Oh, but I mean, let, let us be perfectly uh, truthful as well, that last season, we, in this wonderful League Cup run, went to Newport County, uh, John Joe Shelby had a score almost at the death to get us a penalty shootout, which we won, surprise, surprise. Southampton went there last night and won eight and out. It's ironic, isn't it? <laughs> um, what I was going to ask, though, was... It's difficult because... I mean, a penalty shootout is a lottery. Steve Bruce is clearly kind of hinting at that. You know, we didn't lose on the night... Where do you lay the blame for the for the penalty show? To just is it is it look John bad penalties? I mean Steve Bruce, I read somewhere look, that the practice and training and it went very different. But I mean that's a totally different scenario, isn't it? Of course it is. Of course it is. Look, come, look comes into a penalty shootout. There's absolutely no question about that. But you know what? Let us be brutally truthful. Two of the players that are supposed to be a cut above the average at Newcastle United, are San Maximum and Almiron, who both cost good money. They were brought on in the second half to win the game for Newcastle United and effectively lost it with two of the poorest penalties you're likely to see. Now, for me... Nobody would doubt the technique of San Maximum, the ability that he's got. Nobody would doubt the running power of Almirin. But when it comes to a penalty shootout, the number one thing you've got to have is courage, guts. And they did not, in my opinion, expect to score. Right. With the crowd there, with the atmosphere, with everything hanging on it, they did not look it seemed a strange decision because he, he was on the floor four or five minutes prior that. He'd taken a kick in, he was limp and he looked uncomfortable. It just seemed a strange decision to, to make him step up first. But then, as I mentioned in, earlier... But he's always on the floor feeling sympathy <laughs> and, and looking uncomfortable. It's part of his, of his persona. That is true. Is that he lies on the floor waving his arm in the air looking, looking did, for treatment. He did do that last night. But as, as much as I admire St Maximum's ability, 
that's what he does. I just, but I also found it just strange, and as I mentioned earlier, that the fact that he was brought on and they took Gale off, and they had no vocal point. And that just the fact that we now know what we already kind of knew that there'll be, there'll be no more permanent signings. It's going to be loan deals, and even then, you question whether Newcastle might pay the fee for a quality loan man. And who's out there that's going to add quality anyway? Mm. Because last night when he came on, Gale went off. There was no Wilson. It kind of set alarm bells ringing, and I'm hoping it, it does for Lee Charnley, Mike Ashley, and Steve Bruce. That once you lose, you know, the, once you take them two strikers out of the equation, there is nothing up front at all. If, if it takes that to, to have alarm bells ringing for Steve Bruce and Lee Charnley, what, what the heck have they been doing until now? Because a, a blind man could see that Newcastle are. Untr- but this, I mean, this is Newcastle United, though, isn't it? You know. <laughs> well, yes, but if it is Newcastle United, that means there will be no alarm bells because they're deaf. They, they won't. Charlie and Ashley won't be sitting at home this morning and absolutely decimated because we're out of, of the League Cup and saying that if we don't do something about it in nine months' time or whatever it is, we'll be out of the Premier League. I don't think that conversation or realisation will be happening whatsoever. And I don't think Newcastle's transfer policy this late in in the window is going to change one iota. The only thing we'll get, if anything, is a loan deal. And will it be the best? We've already lost players and centre-half that went to Villa because we wouldn't pay the loan fee. And I don't think anything of that nature is going to change. And I'm certain Ashley's saying to Steve Bruce, when Steve Bruce is making out his case, you've got exactly the same squad as you had at the end of last season with Willick coming back. And you had you keep telling me what a wonderful run-in you had to the end of last season. So that proves you can do it. So on you go and do it again. Now we've had a few comments from people on uh, on you know the iTunes Apple podcast app leaving reviews that says we're too negative. You and I, John, about Newcastle United. So oh, right. yes. let, let, I'm going to give a positive about last night. I thought, I thought you've done very well on the positive so far. Well, Jamal I mean... Lewis was one, but I'm going to just lay it at the fans. Do I thought the fans, thirty thousand of them. I was one of them sitting in the Gallagher, you know, gluten for punishment. But it was, um, I thought the fans were, were, were great last night and they, they backed them um, right up until to the end. You know, they, they wanted to see Newcastle go through. Of course it did. And of course it did. It was so great to see, yeah. It was great to see 30,000 fans and great to see uh, youngsters there as well, like, you know, kids going with their with their, their parents or their, you know, their guardians for the first time. There was a few stories like that on Twitter. The, the tickets were, re, you know, very cheap. Mm. So it, it was a great time to maybe introduce um, a youngster to a, a lifetime of heartache when it comes to Newcastle United. Well, I'm afraid, so, you know, and if, if fans say, and I can understand where certain fans are coming from, they were too negative. I would say we are realistic. That's it. I mean, 30 seconds before you announced the fans think we are too negative, you were, you were saying, do you think John Lee and Ashley is going to get the message? So they're far too positive in turning it. What we are is realistic. I hate the fact that realism means that we're, we're ringing alarm bells, means that we've got to nail Newcastle United. Because like everybody else, I'm a cradle-to-grave Newcastle United fan. It's because I care so much that I want to shake everybody in power at St. James's Park and say, for goodness sake, wake up and do something about our beloved club. 
before it is too late. I don't want Mike Ashley to take us into the championship before he just disappears because he's managed to sell it in the last few weeks of, of this season. Um, and you've got to wake up now, you know. You haven't got to wake up in the new year when a, a, a style of play results are sadly established and written in stone. You've got to wake up now. And, um, you know, I'm dying and aching after since 1969 with, with a couple of, of wonderful fleeting moments with the entertainers of Keegan and Sir Bobby's side. I'm just aching for us to actually do something. If we don't, I'm not going to pretend we are. Mm, I was going to say, 52 years, what's another year? Yeah, another year is another year too long. That's yeah. what another year is. Yeah, I made that joke last night and, uh, well, probably make it next year and the year <laughs> after that as well. Um, we'll get on to Southampton then, John. And we've mentioned there about the players who started last night against Burnley. You know, given the injuries to Shelby, Hayden's going to be kind of 50-50 whether he's going to be all right. Given the fact they've lost to Villa and West Ham, there's definitely... You know opportunities for these players who performed last night to to start against Southampton. Um, you know we we don't think anyone you know came off um, injured or you know I think everyone got a good few minutes under their belt and I think there could be a few changes on Saturday. I th- I do really think that he might go Manquillo and Lewis at wing back, and I wouldn't be surprised if he started Jeff Hendrick in 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 the middle on Saturday. Now we are trying to depress me. Yeah, I, I think I think he could. Um, we trying to second guess Steve Bruce or any other manager for that sake, not just Steve Bruce. Um, what he's liable to do is just second guessing. Um, I would prefer to think: Have we got enough in house to make us safe now? Despite all we have said uh, about realism and facing up to facts, um, Newcastle are still capable of beating Southampton because Southampton are capable of beating themselves. So we've got to go into this match and have a pop at it because we need the three points so much. A draw, it's point, it's, 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 you can't say it's no good. It's pointless. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it isn't pointless. It's one point. But you can't say it's good enough because of what has gone before it. We must break the ice and beat Southampton. Now, all cynical Newcastle fans would look at the situation and say, this is absolutely made for, for Adam Armstrong to come up here and haunt us. The, the young Jordy that was let go eventually makes a Premier League and scores the winner at St James's Park. Um, and I can follow that black humour, if you like, of, of Newcastle United fans. But let us look on it on the flip side of the coin. This is a match where four of Newcastle's attackers, who have cost good, good money, Wilson, San Maximum, Willock and Almiron, they cost around £80 million between them, which by Newcastle United, Mike Ashley standing, is big money. They have got to step up to the plate and prove their worth in this game by getting Newcastle a result to God. Now, without 
question, San Maxman and Al Muirin didn't step up to the plate in midweek when they missed the penalties. Wilson's always capable of doing that. Willock is capable of doing mm. that. But the four of there's four attackers that cost an awful lot of money by our standards, and the onus is on them as much as it's on Adam Armstrong to get the job done uh, on Saturday. The other name to mention as well, Ryan Fraser. I know he brought brought on a free, but he played well last I night. I say, thought he was yeah, excellent last yeah, night, actually. But I mean, I didn't put him in there because he cost nothing. No, no, and I know. I'm talking yeah. about how much he is. I mean, I think. That but I'm, well, actually, John, you mentioned there the players who cost a lot. I mean, it's a good. Ch- it's a there's a good chance Ryan Fraser will probably start in place of at least one of them tomorrow. Well, I I would start him in place of Almiran, who's falling so far off the end of the world at the moment. Now, whose fault that is? is a part of a raging debate on Tyneside, I think, whether it's the guy himself who's been found out and not good enough apart from his blistering pace or whether it's he's been badly used by the manager in terms of position and just shoehorn him in, into the team in positions he infinitely doesn't want to play, he would prefer to play as a 10. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is he is struggling at the moment and it could well be that any impact he makes on the Southampton game may have to come from the bench because Fraser might be the man to start. And certainly the position that Al Mirren has been asked to play of recent times, um, as a number eight, if you like, um, he is more suited to that than Al Mirren is. Thank you for tuning into the Everything is Black and White podcast. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. We just urge you guys to please subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you use. Totally free to do. Just means every time we upload a new episode to our channel, you'll get a notification saying we've done just that and you can listen to it straight away. And if you get the chance to leave us a review as well, that would be much appreciated. That really does help us out. You can also follow Chronicle Live's new Cash United channels over on social media. We're at Chronicle NUFC on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can email us here at the show with your feedback, your comments, your questions, whatever. Just drop us a line at the EIBW podcast at reachplc.com. And you can also stay up to date with everything to do with the club by subscribing to our daily Newcastle United newsletter. That's also free. And you'll get a morning news roundup, an evening news roundup, and a breaking news alert as well. And that'll get emailed directly to your inbox. The link for that is in the show notes. Hit that, scroll down to sport-newcastle-united, tick the box, and you'll all be signed up. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll now get back to the show. Right, it'll be interesting. You know, Ryan Fraser has done enough to get in that start at 11. UCL Mewen drops out. It could be other options. It's just going to be interesting to see exactly what he does change to, Bruce, because... Yeah, without Hayden, I think you lose that defensive bite, but then you put Willick in, he's obviously more, he's box-to-box, but he's more an attacking man, so who who's there to kind of protect the defence? Well, I thought they played very well last night, according to you, and got a lovely balance, so they shouldn't need protecting. There will be there will be somebody played in that defensive role, whether it's Sean Longstaff or whatever, but in this game, I will reiterate again, let us not get too defensive-minded. We've got to win this game. We haven't got to keep Southampton out for another no no draw. We've got to beat Southampton. We've got to get the ball up, and the the people I've mentioned there, Wilson, San Maximum, Willock, Almirin, you throw Fraser in, you've got wing backs down. We should have enough 
to beat Southampton if we haven't. We keep being touted by Steve Bruce about how we're fine up at the top end, and he's not just meaning Wilson and the centre forward sit position. He's talking about the attacking part of the field that was well served there, and we're not well served at the back. Well, let, if we're well served up at the top end of the field, let them prove it because this is the match that Newcastle must win and can win. So let us go at them and win it. Now, we've, we've focused on kind of the impact of last night's result we'll have on Newcastle. It was a chance for momentum. They've lost. I think that's a massive blow to them because it will make the, the, the atmosphere very nervy well, against Southampton. Absol- absolutely. It's the, I, I did a piece in the corner and the headline was something about let's have a, a go at this competition. Yeah, no excuses. But, but the, the real point I was making was... Because if we don't watch next, if we get knocked out by Burnley, having lost the first two league games, what is the atmosphere going to be like? Are the players going to be doubting Thomas's? Are the fans going to be twitchy waiting to get at them early in the game? Because the fans have been brilliant this season and have, have not really... They, they, they've had a little goes at Ashley, which, but they've not really hammered players or, or Steve Bruce. Is that going to change? Is apprehension in there if it's not, not after an hour? If, heaven forbid, we're worn down early on? There, there is... The, the fallout from that defeat to Burnley is huge because it's a, put a completely different complexion on a winnable game against Southampton. And on the flip side, Southampton, as you mentioned earlier, John, they won 8-0 in their League Cup Mm. round game against Newport so what kind of impact will that have on on Southampton well I'm I'm hoping not a lot because um to be brutally truthful and I know that I'm arguing against myself here because I've just already mentioned that we had to get a Shelby late goal to get a draw and win a penalty shootout at Newport last season but Southampton who were always attacking minded uh we're playing a League Two side down there. Everything went right for them, but they were playing a League Two side down there. They had, they had a lot of senior players missing from their starting lineup. Armstrong wasn't there. Walcott wasn't there. So it was a few reserve team players in. So it, in the Premier League's a different ball game. It's going to be. I mean. I, it's not going to make confidence sky high. It's not like they won 8-0 in the uh, Premier League, like when they lost 9 in the Premier League. And so I'm hoping it's not going to lift them too high. I think what what has given them hope is the fact that they, they got a draw with Manchester United. But, I mean, this is a team in transition. I mean, they have, Premier League-wise... Struggled like heck. They only won five of the last 22 games of last season. Their goals against record was 68 goals let in in only 38 games. The second worst goals against record, there was only West Brom, the team that went down, that had a worse goals record. Three of their top hitters in Ings, Vestergaard and, and Ryan uh, Bernard have all gone. Um, and they've brought in a load of kids. Interestingly, they brought a centre-half in this week from a Brazilian centre-half from Torino. Will he be thrown straight in the mix? Because the centre of their defence by Premier League standards has been one-paced and vulnerable 
able to get pulled about. Does that sound like any other defence, by the way, that you know? Um, so, again, there's hope for Callum Wilson. There's there's hope for the, the four strikers we, we are talking about. But they're not insurmountable. This Southampton team is in the mix and they will be in the relegation mix at the end of the season. And we've got to hope that they are beneath us at the end of the season because we've got to find three sides worse than us because that's the first priority for us to stay up. And this might well be one of the sides as long as we beat them on Saturday. You hinted there Newcastle's defence maybe being a bit one-paced and being able to be torn about in all directions. So that in, in turn will give hope to the likes of Adam Armstrong, Chi Adams, you know, Walcott. They've got a lot of attacking... Um, options will. and you know as much as Newcastle you know have got the, the likes of St Maxwell Willick Wilson you know I, I, Southampton are a threat aren't they oh of course it will give them I'm trying to be positive here Andrew <laughs> but yes of course it'll give them more I mean this game would have been ideal for Kevin Keegan because you know the master of four three although he lost a couple four three very hugely as you know but you know it he would have relished it situation because he'd say, right, this is a basketball game. We'll have a go at you and then you can have a go at us and we'll see who comes out on top. I'm not suggesting that should happen on Saturday and I'm, I know that under Steve Bruce it won't happen on Saturday. But we have got to have a go at them. I mean, if we get worried about our defence being what it is and we have every right to worry about it and we'll put two defensive midfielders in his shields in front of a five, etc., etc. We'll end up with a no-no and, and, and then say, and then the quotes after the game will be, well, we'll stop the rot. Against Southampton, we must win. Simple as that. Big fan of Ward-Prowse in the middle, Stevens, oh, yes. Armstrong. Um, I, mean, I think many people would snap your hand off to have a player like Ward-Prowse in the centre. So they're no going to have to try and keep him quiet. We know what he can do. But mine serves me correctly. Didn't he score a worldie against Newcastle in the last game? I might have just made that up, but I'm sure he had a, a blinder anyway. It's going to be a very interesting game, to say the least. Um, now, we both agree Newcastle need a win on Absolutely. Saturday. Is Steve Bruce under pressure yet, or will a defeat bring that pressure? He's under pressure from the fans from the day he walked in the ground, and that pressure's increased game upon game and season upon season. Um, under pressure from the owner, I don't think so, because the owner doesn't want to have to go out and um, find a new manager to manage Newcastle United and do something about it. And he'll do something about it three games from the end of the season, not three games into the season. And so there's, the pressure is vastly different. I don't think there's any pressure on him losing his job at this stage, not in the least. The pressure from fans uh, is huge anyway. Uh, and if Newcastle lost at home on Saturday, the pressure on the final whistle with fans in the ground would be mammoth, mm. uh, would be absolutely huge. Um and without shadow of doubt, there's pressure on the man. But so there should be. And that's not being cruel. It's being factual. It's just being it, a football manager. Correct. That, that is part of what that job is. People were talking 
um, about whether Arteta was about to get the sack and he was making pleas to fans this week. I know he got a League Cup result, but we're talking about the Premier League here. Um, so, you know, if, if Arteta, who was won the FA Cup for Arsenal and was an Arsenal favourite, is under pressure, then Steve Bruce, from fans, then Steve Bruce is going to be. Let's get the score predictions. I remember correctly against Villa, you said... Yeah, we don't go for score predictions. We no, go no. for result oh, sorry, predictions. So I, what did you I say? said we would lose against Villa and you said we would win. I was overly confident, you wasn't were. I? Um, you were. I'm going for a draw against Southampton. I think they'll get a draw. Right, well, I'm going to surprise you even more so. I'm going for Newcastle to win. Goodness me, the tables are turning. I've, everyone's just falling over when listening well, to this, John. The reason for that is several things. One is the law of averages. <laughs> having lost three out of three that's got to stop it sometime and it sure ain't going to stop at Manchester United away the game after this um, and secondly is if w- whatever was said about Southampton's potential they've got one point they've got the worst goal scoring record in the Premier League because West Brom went down and they've lost three of their big hitters including Danny Ings if we can't beat this side, it's in James's Park. Who do we beat? Um, and therefore, it's as much the Geordie spirit as anything else. But I'm going for Newcastle. I mean, 2-1-1-0. They're not going to run away with it. But I'm going for Newcastle to win this one. And if I'm proved wrong on this, brother will need a fortnight to recover in the international break. Fingers crossed you are spot on, John. For you guys listening, please remember to like and subscribe and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk and I will be outside Nine Bar on Saturday before the kickoff, all being well. So um, if you want to have a chat with me, do a bit of filming for the Chronicle website, please do head over and say hello.